Welcome to the Catch Them and Keep Them podcast with Melissa Glennie and Mark Altman. We're here to help you hire, engage, and retain the best talent to help you make your vision a reality. Hi, welcome back to the Catch Them, Keep Them podcast. I'm so excited about today, especially Mark, because there are t- tornado warnings where I am right now. So with the atmospheric energy out there, I think that this very well may be the best podcast that we do yet. Oh, I love that attitude. That's awesome. Let's, <laughs> now, let's if I it. happen to have to run out of the room at, at a moment's notice, I'll be back. <laughs> Melissa, let's just say that if you feel that tornado coming on, my cue for it is clicking your heels three times and saying there's no place like home. Let's have that be our arrangements. Oh, I left my red shoes home today. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> All right, I'll give it a shot nonetheless. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> So um, we are talking about transparency and oversharing or transparency versus oversharing. And Mark, I'm so excited to talk about this with you because I know how much work you do with people who are moving into executive roles or for that matter, maybe even a peer to supervisor level. Um, and it, you know, it's a special um, journey that I think a lot of us have gone on and learning some lessons around being transparent Um, but not oversharing. And I was inspired recently to talk about this because I have a client who's in that very similar situation. He's never been a leader and was just assigned as the executive vice president of a company because he's been such a loyal and contributing employee. So um, we were in the last stages of securing a right-hand person for him who everybody was excited about. And in the after the final interview um we were all shocked the guy walked and when i debriefed with the candidate about what happened he um he said i felt like the strength of leadership wasn't there because of some of the things that he shared that the executive shared with him in the interview and you know nothing pains me more than seeing someone who thinks they're doing something good and has all the best intention and it's actually backfiring. Um, And so I started thinking about that, you know, just in the greater context outside of the interviewing process, but in leadership, generally speaking. And, you know, I think this is really something that's worth talking about that will help leaders and supervisors um, just be more cognizant of how transparency really works and how, you know, not to let it backfire in situations. Well, I got to tell you this, uh, the first ever connection I had with the word transparency was in fourth grade. And I got to tell you, I was not a big science fan, but my science teacher taught us four words, transparent, translucent, reflective, and opaque. I have no idea why I remember this so well, but why I'm tying it into our, our, our podcast today is because the way she explained transparency was she talked about it as see-through. She said transparent is see-through. And so I think when people communicate transparently, the intent behind it is, it's almost like when someone says, I wear my heart on my sleeve. They wanna be so out there and communicate so readily that it's, it's, such, a, it's such a feather in their cap to say, look at, I have no secrets. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to hide from you. I want to tell you everything you need to know so you're set up to make a good decision, so you're set up for success. And that's what's interesting about transparency. I see it 
there's two huge problems with transparency because most people only see it in a positive light. Yeah. From my perspective, there's two huge problems. One is people use it as what I would refer to as a get out of jail free card. And yep. that they think just because they're being transparent, their job is done. I've told you what you need to know. I've told you what you should know. So it's up to you now to figure everything out from there. Mm -hmm. I also see it done out of fear. And I've caught myself doing this, Melissa, in the past, where when I onboard a new employee, I will in that first week, like, I will tell them every, like, here's what you need to know about me. Here's how I manage. Here's how I prefer communication. Here's this, here's that. And I'm thinking, okay, you're going to thrive here because I've told you all my secrets, the way to my heart and everything. <laughs> and so I think it's a get out of jail free card used that way sometimes. And I think it's used as a protective mechanism in the hopes that nothing will go wrong because you've been so transparent in your communication. Mm -hmm. And I love your experience with this and you, your idea for this today, because I only think transparency is typically seen in a positive light. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, what you're, you're talking about, it really resonates for me because I never really thought about it. It just occurred to me when I was driving here today, you know, I, I would, I would suggest a three prong test when you're going to share something with somebody, right person, right time, right place. And I think so many times uh, we don't really consider as leaders that are we giving them somebody information because they, number one, have the context to understand, the ability to shape the outcome. So I'm, what I'm getting at is, do they need to know, is this going to help them contribute to the company? Or are you just thinking out loud or wanting to share because you like to talk and you, it's lonely to have to hold some things in? Yeah, I, I, love, I love that. Because the way I see it, Melissa, is it's almost like parenting. And we, we've talked how much leadership and parenting are similar. But with parenting, there's no playbook, right? You don't become a parent. You get open this book and say, okay, this is how to handle every situation. And that's exactly the problem with transparency. Because there's a lot of pressure to create a culture in the workplace where it's open and honest. And there's no secrets. And people are being very forthcoming about passion and purpose and expectations and so on. But what you're talking about to me, one of the challenges and what you're bringing up is that if you're transparent to someone about certain pieces of information and you're not really there to follow through with it, just sharing the information is a small piece of the interaction, right? Mm -hmm. Sharing it is one piece. But like you said, I love your three-pronged test. And I also think what's important is what's the follow-up because once you've well, I wasn't going to say this, but I think I am going to say this now. Once you've vomited the information to the person, yeah, then then what? What are they supposed to do with it? You know, yeah. and 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 final thought, Melissa, before I turn back to you, is what was your ultimate objective in the first place? Because that's the whole purpose of your three prong test. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't pass the test, then what's your? Why are you doing it in the first place? What's your objective? Exactly, exactly. And you know what? I, I can speak from personal experience on that because I. When I um, went from peer to uh, manager years ago, I remember feeling pretty lonely. And you know, there was stuff that I want I wanted to confide in people. You know, as leaders, we're still human. We still question ourselves and feel uncertain about you know whether we're doing the right things and want to talk things through. So I, I you know maybe this is a little tangential, but I think it's really important to have sounding boards, people who you can talk with, and just like you said 
vomit information without repercussions or causing any upheaval because you know it's to me i think it can be a, actually maybe a little disrespectful of employees time and energy to use their bandwidth in ways that is not going to be valuable for them and thus for the company yeah um, and i think one of the you see it come through very clearly is with accountability and i'll give you a very quick example so if you're if you've ever been a part of a company meeting where let's say mistakes have been made and whether it's a customer service team or part of a manufacturing team or whatever so people are sitting around this big room and the person in charge of the meeting will say something like okay so you know this mistake just happened they won't give you a name but everybody in the room knows exactly who it is yeah so they won't give you a name and they'll say all right so here's what happened and it becomes a, a blame right the issue becomes about blame and not about accountability because if it was about a, instead of it being about um who did something wrong and why did it happen if it was diagnosed as what happened that's an example where that transparency can really aid, not only not only interfere with accountability and a true accountable culture but it can make employees resistant to want to listen and to want to give feedback if they think that that transparent communication is targeted at them. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's in a veiled way. Yes, yes. And, and I, you know, that, that example, I mean, that's a perfect example of, of one of those transparent communication methods that I think is just really backwards. So. And, and you know, Melissa, you know, one of the challenges you know, we are in an era now more than ever where trust, trust has always been an issue for people, but it is now more than ever with so much virtual, so many virtual relationships taking place and the whole out of sight, out of mind. We've talked about this in past podcasts. Yeah. So the thing about transparency is too much transparency can really affect a trust level. And again, it can backfire. You think you're creating the culture of trust by that level of transparency, but it can backfire and you can create a level of distrust if people are questioning your motives and what your end objectives are and why you're being transparent. You're so right about that. You know, as you're saying that, I, I'm thinking about, I think, what would I say? It, it might not be a, you know, when, when communication diminishes, then suspicion it, it tends to, to take hold, right? Yes. And what I found, I'll tell you a quick story about um, myself and, and a, a way that I inadvertently destroyed the trust with one of my employees. I had hired as this person as my assistant. And when I transitioned her into a different position and hired a new assistant, um, I took her access away to my emails, to our bank account, to, I, you know, um, stopped communicating certain things and inquiring with her on things that were no longer in her position. And I didn't give a thought about that. What in retrospect I needed to do was have a conversation with her that I ultimately did, but it was a little late. And that was that um, I had not done these things and I was not, not communicating with her any longer on certain items because I didn't trust her anymore. It was because it, she was in a different position and she didn't need to know these things. She didn't need the stuff on her plate. Um, but she interpreted that something, it, my, my, the variability of our communication 
um, she interpreted it as as um, she became suspicious of, of you know me for some reason losing trust and that's you know it's a reciprocal kind of thing, and um, so that was such an eye-opening experience for me. Um, to so in that case, it wasn't a lack of communication; it was just the variability of it that caused the problem. Well, so Melissa, let me ask you a question. You have me thinking. So, let's say you and I we we believe ultimately we've had past conversations about. When you're giving feedback to somebody, ultimately what you're supposed to do if you're gonna give feedback to someone is actually ask them, would it be okay if I give you some feedback about this, mm. right? Because if they don't want it and you're giving it to them, then yeah. you're probably gonna be, you know, uh, re uh, what's the word I'm looking, resentful or resistant or whatever. Yeah. So this ties into what you're talking about. So here's my question for you. How important do you think it is when we're talking about organizational transparency? Well, no, let's talk about um, individual transparency. So if you have a team and you're dealing with certain people on your team, what if certain people on the team don't want to know? Whatever you want to tell them, what if they don't really want to know this information? You think you're doing them a big favor by being quote unquote transparent. I don't want any surprises. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you. And that person may be like, honestly, I'm worried about COVID. I'm worried about my family's health and future. I got seven things on my mind. I don't need to know this. I'd rather not know. I'd rather only have to worry about it if it happens. Like, what are your thoughts on that mindset? Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, to your point, you just kind of answered yourself uh, going into that. I think we have to ask each other what we want in communication because, you know, perfect example, I'm the type that I tend to tell everyone in my business where I'm going and what I'm doing. So they know, I just figure, well, would they want to know what's going on and if they need me? And I, I, I know, you know, when you just said that, I reflected back to somebody who used to work for me and when I would stand at her desk and explain what my day looked like, she would look at me like, okay. And, and, and I, I was like, I don't really understand why she doesn't, you know, really care about that, but it doesn't appear that she does. Well, and I think what happens a lot at the C-suite level is the C-suite level gets, they'll hear certain people complaints filtering through the company. I didn't know this. I don't know this. And then there becomes a lazy mindset. Well, like, well, I don't, you know, people are complaining. They don't know information. So why don't we just put it all out there to everybody? And I have to tell you, one of probably, if this isn't my foundational philosophy, it's in the top two or three. And I'm going to give you a very quick anecdote about this. So I have, a, a, I have a friend of mine who's going through a divorce. And, and, and this very much ties into what we're talking about today. And so the problem is that the, one of the parents in the relationship is very open and receptive to feedback from the child. So if the child's feeling anxious or upset or frustrated, they can have that conversation with that parent and know that the parent will validate and listen. The other parent's the opposite. The other parent won't give won't listen, won't, and kind of tries to make excuses. So the parent that listens, I said to that parent, I said, listen, my advice to you is to reinforce for your child that when, when your child is comfortable sharing their feelings and wants, there's no guarantee of the outcome. And kids need to learn that from an early age. Not every adult is gonna do what you hope they'll do. So as long as you reinforce that it's the right thing to do, the right behavior, habit, and process to advocate for what you want, even if the outcome isn't there, you're good. In the workplace, what I think happens to, so often is that 
we glob on to when we hear two people upset, three people upset, and there's enough chatter or noise that we just make this sweeping decision like, all right, well, I don't want to hear any more complaints. Let's just talk to everybody and let's just put this out to everybody. And I don't even mean just an organization. It could be a department wide. And so that's what I think we have to stop doing, Melissa, is, you know, emotional intelligence is being mindful of what's really going on, what people want, when communication's appropriate. And again, we're right back to your three-pronged test. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you that why I love your three-pronged test is people have such trouble changing habits. And if the only thing people take away from this podcast is your three-pronged test, and they're actually mindful enough when they're making the decision to go, okay, wait, wait, what did Melissa tell me I need to do? If that's all they did, that would be enormous, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think that the mistake that most people make is thinking that if they're being transparent, that they're just telling the truth. It's just the truth. And like you said, when we started talking, yes. right? And, and they don't think of it as a sense that, okay, if you're a transparent leader, yes, everything you say has to be true but not everything that's true needs to be said, right? <laughs> so. You got me thinking, Melissa, you totally got my wheels turning because I'm thinking to myself, as you said that, I'm like, um, I'm thinking about that movie, What Women Want. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, can you imagine if everybody woke up tomorrow morning and said, you know what? I'm just gonna say what's on my mind. And, and by the way, say it in a very kind, respectful way. So before anybody says, well, it depends how you say it. Nope. You're going to say it in the most beautiful way possible. So the next time uh, your husband comes up to you and says, you know, how do you think I look today? And you're like, oh, I don't know about that shirt. Like, like we're joking, but that's legit. Like that's the whole message we're giving on this podcast day. You would not walk around and just randomly be transparent about everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous actually now that we, we right? when you make that analogy, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's totally ridiculous. And so, so that brings us to, Melissa, how do we learn the social etiquette, right? So in our personal lives, we learn the social etiquette, I guess, from our family and friends. Just Growing up, you hear it, you just kind of learn what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. Obviously, there's a lot of people who don't have great boundaries. We see it on social media all the time, people cross boundaries. Mm -hmm. But my point is that in, in our personal lives, there's a general etiquette we know to follow, even if everybody doesn't follow it. Yeah. At the work level, I don't, Melissa, I don't think there's a template for companies and organizations to know what's right and what's not. And frankly, I think if you called some of your big clients and you said, hey, I'm taking a survey and you talk to say three or four different people on their C-suite and you said, what's your rule for transparency? What's your rule for boundaries? Mm -hmm. I think you'd get four different answers. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of thinking out loud that goes on. And um, like you, you already said it, it, it does create a lack of trust uh, inadvertently, because I think that sometimes it creates a, a, a sense of uncertainty. You know, as a leader, if you're going around talking about this and talking about that, and then, you know, there's, it, it, it can feel a little helter skelter if you're not sure of your position and you're just throwing out possibilities. Um, that, you know, that, to me, that's not really leadership. Leadership would be communicating a very clear vision, a very clear path, 
um, action plans. So, uh, you know, maybe that's kind of what I'm getting at here is that I think that leaders need to understand their position around certain things and then be very deliberate about who they need to bring into the conversation and why they need to bring them in. Why do they have the expertise? They have the context and I need their help making this call because fill in the blank. Um, so that it's an, like you were alluding to an organized way of going. Yeah. Well, I agree. And, and I'm also thinking about sales teams and I'm thinking about how sales executives often will try to manipulate and influence their teams by saying, you know, I got to tell you, we're having a really bad quarter or you're having a really bad week or month in the meetings mm -hmm. uh, or vice versa. You know, hey, the team's doing great. We've exceeded quota or whatever. So let's look at that as a kind of transparency. So when you as a sales leader put out good news or bad news and you're being transparent, and by the way, I know a lot of sales leaders aren't always great about doing the good news and they typically will just rely on the bad news. Yeah. But either way, Melissa, I would maintain that you're making a unilateral decision when you do that, that you think your team is going to be motivated that way. Mm -hmm. That everybody sitting at that table, by you being transparent about their personal results, their team results, that they're going to go, oh my God, you're right. I got to get going. This is terrible. You know, and, and, and so that kind of transparency is it's in the sales world, you know this, that's so accepted for sales yeah. leaders to do that kind of thing. Yeah. But does that really motivate people? Is that really the best way to get your end result and objective of what you're trying to do? I have put in that position and I was motivated to find a new company. I mean, <laughs> that, that was the effect it had on me. Honestly. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm alone, but I don't think so. <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you know, the one thing you said a couple of minutes ago that I think is, is critical is that, look, the one thing that's really important, I think, at a leadership level for transparency is setting expectations. Yeah. Okay, so it's one thing to give company news, company policies, expectations, good news, bad news, whatever. But I think what you were talking about in doing it in an organized way is we want everybody to know what our, like you said, what our vision is what our expectations are, what our growth plan is. And, and I think a lot of times companies, Melissa, and I'm interested to hear your take on this is, I think a lot of times companies are do such a poor job with internal communication mm -hmm. that they end up trying to overcompensate and they try to make up for it and play catch up. And then that's where things start to fall apart in transparency with boundaries. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what I was um, with my story earlier. That's I, you, you just hit the nail on the head. I think that when there's you know this surge of communication and all these details, and then a period of less communication and quiet, it, it just kind of it plants the seeds for people to wonder and for the suspicion to build. So it actually hurts the trust. Well, Melissa, when you're producing candidates at a company. Now, talk about transparency. You're placing candidates at a company and, and the company says to you, all right, Melissa, I want to really give them a clear picture of what it's like to work here and the culture and what they're getting into and what their manager's like. But I don't know, what are, what are my transparency rules in a first or second interview? Like, what, what do you tell them that how they should approach transparency in those situations? Because that's all the time, right? Yeah. You know, Mark, that is such a great question. And, and I really approach it by, in my interview process, 
by asking questions to get at all of the bugaboos <laughs> and, and really understand like what are the triggers and what are the hot buttons for the candidate. And as soon as I hear one that tells me this might not be where you want to go, um, then I'll bring, I, I try to bring those up. It's sort of like a, addressing the less attractive things first right. to say, can you live with this? Like if everything else was great, could you live with that? Um, and let them tell me why they could or couldn't, you know, whatnot. So, so it's more, for me, it's more a, a matter of my questioning of the individual uh, and then highlighting things on a, you know, kind of checking the boxes on each of the things that, you know, because I really do try to make sure that we're, we're not leading people into a situation where they're going to be less happy, you know, than, than their current, obviously. So in the story you told earlier, and I meant to follow up and ask a question in that, in the weak leader story and the perception that the leader was weak, mm -hmm. what was that about in your mind? Was it about that the person, the, 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 man, the hiring person sounded desperate, they volunteered too much information that's carried the candidate away? Like what was your takeaway from that, that what that was about? Yeah, um, I think that, um, one was a sense that this leader was looking for validation from the interviewee in the interview. I think that was, and you know, Brene Brown, I know you're a fellow you know, student of Brene Brown's school yep. of, of- Vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, she talks about people sharing things with people, uh, you know, in a time where they're ready. For you to share and you know it can have the opposite effect you know they it, rather than saying oh great thank you for sharing that with me you can get a whoa i'm out like too much um and i think that's the that was a lot of what was at play and you know when you have a, a person who you know if if, if uh, i'm going to be your boss and you're questioning my you know it, i'm leaning on you for validation right out of the gate like whoa that red flag right so I think yeah. that's a lot of it. Yeah. Wow. That's compelling because, you know, I, I mentioned trust earlier and something just occurred to me in that trust is so complex that if, if you, you know, you and I as colleagues, we will give each other support and feedback from time to time. But there's a trust level that when we give each other that feedback, again, we're ready for it. It's done in a kind and respectful and comfortable way. And what occurred to me is when you talked about Brene Brown's, her mantra of being ready for it and being open to it, mm. it occurred to me that's such a trust issue because if you're being, if you're lacking boundaries and you're being careless with your transparency and the people that you're being transparent with don't want to hear it, yeah. you know, your takeaway might be, well, I tried. You know, I made the effort to be transparent, but see, I can't win. You know, nothing works. As opposed to, geez, was this the right time? Was this the right place? <laughs> you know, and, and so in that to me, Melissa, you talk about accountability and this brings all it all together. You know, are we looking for scapegoats? You know, with transparency, are we looking for scapegoats or can we be accountable and say, no, transparency is the right way with limits and with yep. boundaries. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, great topic. Good stuff. Yeah, thank you. I really, uh, I really think that this was insightful for me. I'm, um, I, I really appreciate all your insights. It's uh, always fun doing this. It is.
So, so you know, if you, um, you know, let's summarize, Melissa, with the three-pronged approach, um, because I think that's a huge takeaway from today. So let's summarize with that and, you know, maybe just kind of any final thoughts you might have. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, the right time, right person, right place. And I think also con considering before you share with the person, let's say you checked all those boxes. Yes, okay, definitely need to share this information with this department or this person. Um, what are you looking to achieve out of it? I think would be the, the final, my, my final um, question. And make sure that you've got that defined and, and that you understand, you know, do they, do they have the context? If not, just be prepared to give it to them before you expect them to answer. Um, and, and make sure that, you know, that it's, um, it's on a need to know, I think, you know, for, for their sake and for the company's sake. Yeah, I think um, a good partial mnemonic to remember, uh, Melissa's, is think Miss Scarlet with a wrench in the ballroom. We've got the right person. <laughs> we got the right place. Oh, it's it, but it's the weapon, not the time. Okay, we're almost there. Okay, we kind of had it there. All right. Anyways, anyways, um, let's try to give everybody a clue. All right. So, um, bottom line is, uh, I, I, you know, my final thought. It's something um, I always tell people that I do training, coach with, is two phrase, two word phrase. Be curious. You know, before you get frustrated that people aren't receptive to what you have to say understand Melissa's rules, understand the environment you're in. We're also not in a normal scenario with everything going on in the world. So there's things you have to take into consideration and uh, just be curious and understand the things Melissa's recommending. And otherwise, um, always thrilled that we have our audience to uh, listen to us. Yes, thank you so much, Mark. Always a pleasure. All right, see you next time. Next time. All right, see ya. Thanks for joining us on the Catch Em and Keep Em podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss us next time. In the meantime, remember that engaging your people is a daily task and recruiting is a process, not an event. If you need help, just ask. Connect directly with Melissa at franklinprofessionals.com and Mark at mindsetgo.com.